in this episode. Everybody's been locked up indoors for, like, what, nearly 18 months. We were all in an escape room this year, weren't we? Oh, I see what you did there. No one was having a good time. No one wanted to have a good chuckle whilst they were trapped in their house. Taking a mortgage out to buy some snacks. Well, to be fair, Harrison Ford was probably high, so I'm giving him a pass. A lot of cocaine about here, isn't there? Ah, honestly, honestly, right? That is absolutely what people should do. A nostalgic tear goes down our cheek about it all. And we have no idea how much money it's ever going to make. But I doubt it will make £219 million in any world. Are you making a profit? No, but we're turning over, thank God. Uh, but you agreed with it because you just agree with everything I say on this matter. There's just so many people with their hands in the pie that it really genuinely cannot fail. Now, of course, it wasn't really about that, although it was, at the same time, about that. It was about so much more. In fact, it was about the entire meaning of life. But we didn't know that at the time, so it did seem a bit eccentric. My dad will enjoy that, how dare you? Ah, weird. But there we go. So moving on, back to the 80s. Yay! If you don't mind, it's time to make the alpacas. have a problem. Oh, we've had this fun little game we had where we'd look at the upcoming summer releases and we'd make our little forecasts about which one was going to be top dog in terms of box office and then we'd go come back later and have a little chortle about how wrong we were. Yeah, well, I hope you enjoyed that because it's over now. Box office is, is kind of meaningless these days. I mean, sure, in the, in the past, box office wasn't necessarily the only indicator of success. There was secondary markets and everything. But, you know, there was some kind of definitive winner at box office winning. They, 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 it meant something to do well at the box office. It, it, it just doesn't mean a damn thing anymore. We used to say streaming was the future. Well, it isn't the future anymore. Streaming was 2020. Now it's all streaming. Straight to streaming used to be a mark of stigma on a film. You know, it was like straight to DVD or straight to video. It was bad. Uh, But these days, major theatrical releases are going out straight to streaming along with all the trash as well. The, The only difference is that on your subscription pay service, there's the additional paywall to get your premium content maybe for a month or two. And you know what? The studios love this. It cuts out all the middlemen, it maximises profits, it strengthens uh, the need for subscription in their platforms, which is required for them to survive these days. You know, everything is basically becoming an app you pay for. And, and so, with that situation, you're like, I'm not saying cinemas are going away, they're still going to be around, like coin book stores, but they're not going to be the mainstream anymore. And those numbers the box office are no indication of success, and what numbers do indicate success on streaming services aren't going to be shared with us. 
because they always keep those things private. They might say, this was very successful when something is very successful, but by and large, they're not going to talk about their failures. It's not going to be a public failure turkey box office like we used to. And really, in, in media in the future, when we see characters going into a cinema, it's going to look very dated, like someone using a payphone or using a MacBook whilst driving or using a video cassette or a black guy dying first in a movie. It's just going to instantly date it as something from the 90s or the early noughties. It's just, it's just going to be so quaint what, it's what those Generation X used to do. So, by and large, we can't really play this game anymore about who's going to win the box office because it's all kind of meaningless. Well, Ian, what a start. I mean, I know that you've been uh, unhappy about this whole process for quite some time, but uh, that's, a, that's a real downer. Let's see if we can address that situation. Hello, everybody. Uh, one of us looks like a secondary school chemistry teacher, uh, but I'm not sure which one. Um, there we go. Right, so... <laughs> There's the mystery to be answered. Answers on the postcard to address with you at the end of the show. Here we are. Uh, it is 2021. Now, uh, there is one uh, very large elephant left in the uh, hotel for elephants, which is uh, the fact that, to be fair, everybody's been locked up indoors for, like, what? nearly 18 months some of us still are mate some well yeah alright yeah but you know I mean they Prisoner might Christmas cell block H over here in Australia yeah we might we might be back as well very shortly and I bet you any money because we, we're recording this late summer uh, with a, a prospective October release and uh, not not from lockdown just, just for the shows really I am wondering whether we're going to record all the shows while people are still enjoying running around outside in the open air and haven't got time to join two old men whittling about movies really we should have capitalised on the fact that everybody had nowhere to do and nothing to do and recorded a bunch of shows with various guests during but there we go coulda woulda shoulda um, but yeah you're quite to a certain extent you're quite right and and we have a unique perspective on this whole affair in that we recorded a show in february of 2020 in which we castigated that's what we did we castigated james bond for running out on the, the, the box office because at that time it was the first one to cancel what's really exciting about that is that he's also the last one back the minute there was a whisper that there's something might harm the box office, they went, nobody's having this. And now there's, they're not certain that people are going to be cramming into the, the box office to, to go to cinemas. They still well, haven't given it a release date. I, I think James Bond is one of those funny things where there's just so many people with their hands in the pie that it, it really genuinely cannot fail. Uh, also, all the backroom contracts are probably dependent, you know, where the money goes, are, are probably connected to box office earnings. They don't want to get Scarlett Johansson uh, by it being released on a streaming service. We obviously did the usual thing in good faith, and then everything went to shit. But, as you've uh, heard in a previous discussion probably, uh, preparation for this show had gone up 
uh, dramatically over the last few seasons, which is hilarious because we did like a hundred and flipping twelve shows or something, more or less by the seat of our pants. Uh, and then as soon as we go to six shows a year, uh, the, the we're like, ah, uh, yeah, it's just because uh, what happened was we left off in a situation which uh, is well recorded, where Ian was burning out from all the editing from a weekly show and I wasn't really doing anything. Now we're in a situation where we've got sort of an equitable workload, but that's because my workload has stepped up considerably. I don't. I mean, I, I think without some serious incession, maybe when we're retired in many years' time, we can do a weekly show again because the amount of work it takes to put the shows together is much larger. And for that reason, when we did that show in 2020, I had a spreadsheet. I've still got the spreadsheet now. And the spreadsheet was going to... Uh, I'll just run you through what it had. It had, obviously, the title of the movie, because that has to be uh, a thing. And then it has the uh, genre that the movie was under. And then it had which month it was coming. It was supposed to come out in. Now that column is useless. Which studio was producing it, right? But here's the important bit, the numbers. We estimate, I, in fact, estimated the budget, but I shared it in the show. So I estimated what I thought the budget was going to be, because that's really important, because we have to, if we're going to pick a winner, we have to know how much these things cost and how much, therefore, they could make at the box office, therefore, which one's going to make the most you know, be the most successful. So then later on, I was planning to, because once the films come out, the studios tend to publish the budget afterwards. So then I would fill in the real budget. So we'd have one way that we could fail in which we could have a wildly inaccurate guess of what the budget of a movie was. Then we could see what the gross was, then we could see and the global gross, which I've put into the spreadsheet, so we don't have to worry about that. And thereafter, we would know, you know, not well, only it's, it, it was the game within the game, uh, because yes. obviously there's like who gets the highest box office, and that's just a number. But the game within the game was what was your uh, film's budget versus your takings. Uh, and so, you know, who, who really galloped away with the fortune and who didn't? Yeah, exactly. Who, who, who basically broke even? Because the way cinema mathematics used to work was you had to make back three times as much as it cost to make. That is the thing. And, and funnily enough, your heartened polemic at the beginning, which referenced this whole thing of that's the old world and this is the new. The thing about it is, the old world for Hollywood accounting was incredibly convenient. Oh, yeah, we have to pull down at least three times the budget at the box office or nobody sees any money. A lot of cocaine about here, isn't there? Right, okay, that's how it used to work. And the thing is, that's what we in the business call a gravy train. So do you think they wanted to stop working like that? Absolutely not. And if it does have to change, do you think they want to make it... Like, the point is, it's like you say, they're never going to tell us how much a film made again? Absolute bollocks. What they really have to do is work out a new algorithm that allows them to publicly state how much money a film made that still allows them to have a lot of cocaine lying about here, but still allows them to say, but we didn't make any money. Well, you know... We spent it all on cocaine. <laughs> I mean, Disney never really tell you their budgets. That, that was a thing already, so that was part of it. But box office takings were like a matter of public record because there were third-party companies that were doing the, the, the delivery service. Like, the only people these companies are beholden to now in terms of transparency are their own shareholders. 
and they're always going to massage the numbers. And generally speaking, if you don't have good news, you just don't say no, anything. No, no, no. The point is that that's exactly the thing. They need to be showing, like, for the for the game to work publicly, something. I mean, do you think they wanted to tell people how much Black Widow made on its opening weekend of Premier Access? They didn't want to because any information is better out of the public domain than in it. But they're doing it because that's the game. The public have to have a perception that, that this is what things make. If they ever get sued and they sued by jury or whatever, I mean, you know, lawyers are members of the public as well. They don't necessarily, they're not Hollywood insiders usually as well. And certainly judges aren't. Somewhere along the line, you've got to rely on the common person's perception of how much these things make. So when the common person's perception, which which is you, what you've stated is what people generally think, which is a movie needs to make three times its box office to be considered successful, then that is what they're going to... They're even going to take that into court because that's the point. They're massaging reality and they need to do the same thing in the new world. Well, not necessarily, because it's all a streaming service. I mean, cinema shows a film and it goes into circulation. If it's making a lot of money, it might hang around, but by and large, it's going to be gone in three weeks. But that's no longer the case anymore. A film might be behind a premium paywall on your subscription service, an additional charge for a couple of months. But sooner or later, it's just going to filter through onto the free service. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then it's just going to stick there. I mean, Disney might you know, take things out of circulation every once in a while. But by and large, your Marvel films, your, your Star Wars movies, they're going to be there for... Ever. We're, we, we're and, gonna, yeah, we're actually going to have a whole show about the streaming services and what there is. But essentially, I think that box office maths or essentially Hollywood dick swinging about how much money something made. I mean, apart from anything else, it, it is a, a good signal to intimidate other studios. When you're talking about releasing things, you know, we've had all those games in the past about things going up against Captain America Civil War and then them deciding maybe they didn't want to pick that box office battle. Without some kind of public measure of how well a film is doing or how it's received, it's all about marketing, presentation, public perception. They're going to work something out to tell you our film is better than ever everybody else's film financially but, and but how do you how do you profit share because if something's on a subscription how do you profit share it i mean uh, oh there's the massive programs that get made pay for streaming get paid less generally speaking uh well yeah, premier access pre yeah 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 if it's just on streaming there's no way you can profit share on that that's like a that's you that's your spotify level shit yeah and everybody complains about that but if it's behind premier access there is theoretically a number that can be portioned out end of unfortunately that math is way too simple and obviously the studios don't like it but that's what that whole uh scar joe suing disney thing is all about actors don't care that you're not putting things into cinemas actors care that they're not getting their slice of that sweet sweet all profit subscription money it's all going to be down to the investors and investors are going to be interested in growth it's how many new people are subscribing to your service year and year they want they want someone maintaining their well, no, numbers gonna, no, no, are no, you crazy no but there's going to be no there's going to be a top the only other level. metric the only other metric other than your growth is going to be engagement and those yeah. are the only two things they might tell their shareholders so, and that's all we're going to get yeah so subscribers are your potential audience they're the market and that's going to top out but premier access 
is your engagement because if somebody if somebody spends 20 quid to watch something three months early that's pretty engaged i would say i was pretty engaged for for black widow and and that's the only thing i've been pretty engaged for sorry jungle cruise so yeah uh, sorry my dad will enjoy that how dare you well no to be fair i do really want to see jungle cruise but do i want to see it to the cost of 20 quid for the whole family uh, well, I don't know. How much, if, how much would you pay if you went to the cinema and sat in a seat? Well, the local cinema, £3.50. There is a bit of a cost differential, but that would just be me. So for the whole family, half the cost of Premier Access. But then we would have to sit in a virus pen. Here's the thing, right? The cinema chains that prior to the whole virus unpleasantness were charging... Uh, you know £4.50 £5 per ticket and that was across the board because of course £4.50 £5 used to be a child's price but then over time it had become everyone's price like the, the, for some reason the cinemas have worked out that was the best price to charge in the previous world well now of course nobody's going to the cinema so they've all had to take a bit of a bath and the way that they've decided to resolve this situation is to put their prices back up to seven pounds across the board so now a child costs seven so they're keeping the everyone pays the same but now a child pays seven pounds as well as an adult so when i took my son to see the crudes two uh, a, a couple of weeks ago because he really wanted to go to the cinema it cost us 14 pounds just to go in before we considered taking a mortgage out to buy some snacks. So that makes Premier Access look pretty damn well, of attractive. Course it does, especially when it comes to your children, because taking small children to the cinema is a haunting, traumatic experience. Whereas just parking them in front of your television at home, I'll happily pay paywall twenty dollars or whatever just to have them babysat for a while. But, you know, I'm pretty sure they're only doing this purely out of economic survival because everyone else is slash, slashing sales and 20% off and free postage and all other nonsense just to please get some money rolling in again. Uh, but I, 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 I do, I'm yeah. even more pessimistic than you. It's not just the economics that are stacked against cinema. It's just that the habit has been broken. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a whole new generation that do just watch everything all their main enjoyment has just come at them through their phones their entire life uh so this transition is is going to be completely painless for them it's end of an era for us and a a nostalgic tear goes down our cheek about it all but i think the future of cinema they're going to be like bowling alleys now bowling alleys aren't going anywhere but it's very rare to find someone who is a habitual bowling alley visitor well that's just like your opinion well man. of course they exist um, there's guys who have their bowling <laughs> bowling teams but by and large me and you Leo we, we have been to the bowling alley we might even go hey for my birthday let's go to the bowling alley it's what uh, young people might do on a day out you set me up for a big Lebowski quote I'm going to take that shot you know that's how it is um <laughs> oh dear uh, right anyway yeah no the, the, the thing about it is right I, my right, just before we get into the actual numbers, I don't think this is actually such a bad thing because when I was a small boy, and this is literally until I was like 
probably about 17 because that's when the multiplex started because I was 17 in 1992. Oh, Jesus. We're, we're, we're barely into the early 90s here, guys. Uh, you know, the multiplex started to spider its way out and indeed in some locations still in London, such as the Odeon Leicester Square, you have a, a what is a multiplex because multiplex just means more than one screen, which would have like three or four screens, one of which was really tiny anyway. Uh, and that was the standard. So when I went to see Big Trouble in Little China, I went to see it in a medium size, one of the two medium size screens, like the Odeon in Swansea had one big screen, two medium screens and one really small screen four screens that's what it had and now that's sort of hilarious to think that a cinema might only have oh yes but our parents generation saw saw films in, in black and white yeah you know, you know. without surround sound i mean you know i think for the entire like all my nieces and nephews have only ever known the multiplex yeah yeah we we Universe. we in Swansea had the Castle Cinema, which is now and still remains to this day a laser zone uh, when it was converted. But that was uh, that was an old school one screen well, cinema. It took it took a few years out where it was a ball pit for a while. Uh, then it went back to being a laser. Ah, uh, right, I didn't know that. But anyway, okay. So the point. Catherine Zeta Jones opened the laser. But pit. what's really interesting? What's really interesting? is that um, it, down the road from that laser zone now is something called, I don't know, it's a boutique cinema anyway. It's called like the screening room or something, which is the future of cinema. It's like a 50-screen cinema that sells, that, that, that shows art house and special features, basically. That's what it shows. And that is... That is part of the future of cinema. At the time when we had multiplexes down the road the other way, obviously it was a very specialist service. But now we're going to have the biggest cinema. is going to be like the Odeon was back then, five screens. And that's how it's going to be. And it'll show different things in the afternoon to what it shows in the evening and all of that. Back to the 80s. Yay! Um, because, yeah, the multiplex has effectively been killed by this. It doesn't... It, there's no yeah, point in it. I mean, it, it, it's fine. There's still plenty of people who require to go to the cinema and you can squeeze more money out of them. It's basically how it, how it goes. When all industries are diminishing, you just have to get more out of the people who are still participating. And they could offer other things. Like, we have gold class here in Australia. I don't know if you have the equivalent in the UK, where it's only about 30 seats in the entire cinema. They're big... Uh, lazy boy recliners and you have a side table and they'll happily bring a whole menu of food over to you at any appointed moment during the film uh, and you can sit there gobbling your face that does happen in now. certain places but it's not been big over here hitherto but it probably will become but more I think they're going to have to diversify like that in order to continue to make their money they're going to be sending you Marvel Funko Pops whilst at the cinema yeah. so and you know the point is essentially that the the numbers will remain but they're just going to be derived a different way so this is possibly the last time that we'll be able to do this kind of exercise exactly it's like there's no way we can do this anymore we, we can't even all we can really go by is sort of uh, you know some sort of uh, user reviews of, of, of but even then it's like it's so no, subjective no, they still announce yeah. numbers because I've been doing the numbers and they, there are numbers around so it's fine and there, this is what it's I'm saying street. you can't kill numbers there's always going to be a geek who wants to know how much how far how much when you know all of this stuff and they're going to have to give an answer to those questions in order to like I say to show off because that's part of the, the business I'm, I'm here by declaring one of our favourite formats kind of dead so really what's left to do other than have an autopsy. Well, exactly. So here we go. Right, so um, 
we're going to go through just the same way that we did, but it's going to be a slightly different experience because, like I say, 2020 is dead, and we're just we're picking so, over the course. Basically, it's an alternative universe so, uh, we're now yeah. looking into. So uh, back in, in 2020, February 2020, Leo and Ian both decided that in the comic book uh, arena, Black Widow would be the winner of the summer. And uh, in the eventual result, we have five comic book movies, only one of which still doesn't have a release date, but I don't think it'll be troubling Black Widow at the top of this pile. So all the others are essentially Dunzord. And the winner in that situation is indeed Black Widow. We were right. We were right. It, she couldn't be stopped. Yeah, she wins the category. I agree. It's the most watched uh, hero film of, of of the summer. Um, how many people watched it? Well, right. Okay. So here's the actual breakdown. The es- we estimated that the budget of the movie would be about 150 million dollars, and we estimated that, or I estimated it rather. Uh, but you agreed with it because you just agree with everything I say on this matter. Uh, no, because th- that's right. It's the same budget as Ant Man. So I thought, well, they're not going to give Black Widow more money than that. As it turns out, they gave her 50 million more. Uh, So our budget difference was $50 million, which is about 25%. So that's not great. But I'm amazed that they spent... Well, that's the declared budget, isn't it? And this is the thing. What you're saying about Disney, they didn't used to release budgets, but that's a released and official budget is $200 million. So what you're saying is that, ironically, Ant-Man had a smaller budget. Oh, I see what you did there. So there we have 100 million. Uh, it was the domestic gross, global gross, 2.2 2. million, which uh, just about brings it over. Now, the thing about it is, right, this is the point. Anywhere else, in any other world, that would be a horrible flop. Disney would have had a horrible flop there. That would be, but in but now we live in upside down. Yeah, land. exactly. Where the fact that it actually made broke even, even and made twenty million or more official, is a relief to everybody. They're just glad that it happened. Do you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, Black Widow comes out all all the glory. So that is one thing where we're going to have to temper our look at the gross because the gross is 20 million more than it costs to make apparently and yet everybody's perfectly happy black widow is a thumping success well, and there's one person who's not happy well yes but uh, that's the disney lawyers will have to resolve that well one. yeah like i say that's a precedent setting exercise so we're not going to worry about that so uh, what else was in the the mix uh, harley quinn birds of prey which had actually come out by the time so we had all the numbers there uh so we had got the budget dead or well the estimated budget because i don't think they well they can't have released the budget because i'd have put it down here i estimated the budget was 97 million and i think i might have actually got that from somewhere that somebody had said we think the budget for this was because i wouldn't just make up a number like 97.1 i'd have made it a right a uh, a uh, 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 a round number but the actual budget was a bit lower than that it was 84.5 million uh, so it made nearly that in domestic and it made 200 million globally which means that compared to black widow harley quinn made a lot more money but of course the cinemas were still open then and that was multiplex numbers so to be fair in the old world that was a middling success so hmm. wonder woman 1984 now this is an interesting one 
Uh, because this is part of the autopsies. Where did it end up? Now, I believe that Wonder Woman 1984 did get a limited theatrical release last autumn. Uh, but I was going nowhere near a cinema, so I wouldn't know. But I know that it was also put on Premier Access so that you could rent it at home. So I estimated that the budget, again, would be $150 million based on the budget of the first one and the budget of other things that were around. Again, they actually spent $200 million on that. And its gross domestically was $46 million and globally it made $166 million, although obviously because it's not Disney and they don't want to show off, they didn't say how much it made on Premier Access. But, um, I mean, the problem is Warner Brothers is a bit of a shit show anyway. So, who knows what that means. I know that it, it, it allegedly lost money, but nobody seems to be saying, oh, well, Wonder Woman's dead then. But at the same time, they're not saying, hey, let's. what about that next Wonder Woman sequel? So, As always, DC movies are in a bit of a pickle at the moment. That's pretty much been the news for some years, and it hasn't changed even with its latest... Everyone said it clunked at the cinemas. It's like, well, it's hard to tell these days, but possibly. Uh, yeah, we, we don't... I mean, that's way forward. This is a new movie for a new era, and... Um, yeah you know everyone's still trying to work it out i mean i think one of the things is ironically they're going to have to fall back on critical and word of mouth success like basically we live in a topsy-turvy world where to a certain extent it doesn't matter how much money it makes it matters how high its score is on rotten tomatoes as to whether it was really a success uh, even the studios have to factor that in Ugh, weird but there we go uh, the new mutants now of course the new mutants was a fox cast off i estimated the budget at 100 million because it was it was made by fox and i thought well that's about right for a sort of comic book movie turns out it only costs a mere chump change 67 million to actually make uh, which disney were quite happy to tell us because they'd acquired it and just told you what fox had paid for it the domestic gross because it did get a small cinema release in the states 23 million the global gross 48 million it, again it failed but it didn't fail that hard but the point is it was a fox acquisition when disney bought fox nobody cares it's dead. Yeah, they can write it. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Sony have decided that the time for Morbius is not yet. So we don't know how much it cost, and we have no idea how much money it's ever going to make. But I doubt it'll make $219 million in any world. It's undead. <laughs> it's, it is undead. Right. So moving on, we obviously have the next category uh, in our little list of... Of, of stuff and that is uh, science fiction and fantasy and we're living there now aren't we Leo this, this dystopian alternative universe movie we've been stuck in anyway carry on yeah 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 exactly I mean this is what's really interesting um, I've been doing research for the new shows and we have these categories which we always use for the box office and the reason that we pick these categories arbitrarily they're not arbitrary it's because Films that fit into these genres attract similar budgets and similar types of um, well, box like office. Like. Yeah, it's like to like. So when I've done other stuff later on, which we'll come to about Netflix and what, I've also done the same metric because people's viewing habits aren't going to change just because of this. Only the way that we work out how profitable something is or what have you. Yeah. So um, SF fantasy is all, all part of one. So that's not a comic book or super hero movie but it is sf fantasy as we've explained before listen to some of our old shows so uh 
what's really interesting about this is obviously as we are well aware SF Fantasy costs a lot and has a problem doing well at the box office this is absolutely gospel right so at the time that I re-updated the spreadsheet and even now it's unfair four out of seven of these titles hadn't had a fair swing and that's still the case even though two of them have subsequently become released but we both thought that Jungle Cruise was going to make the most money and that could still be true but Jungle Cruise has been on release at this time for two weeks well it didn't Um, come out in summer 2020 so that's a bust it didn't come out summer 2020 so that's it was part of our summer 2020 release but it's only just come out and free guy in this country and in fact globally came out yesterday so those are two that we don't have any numbers on so what actually won from 2020 was tenet wow uh, but it's but it's not a happy story oh no well it, it's kind of a happy story now i'm looking back at it the estimated budget uh, was 205 million which again is something that i would have got from an estimate because it's not a round number the actual budget was 5 million less of that 200 million negligible difference yeah it's hmm. neither yeah, here nor there domestic gross 58 million global gross 363 million lo and behold christopher nolan is the god savior of cinema because this got released in 2020 because the cinema going crowd were so desperate to watch a, a, a sort of high concept the brave souls willing to go out yeah exactly that they did actually manage to get it to make nearly twice its box office which would have been a bit of a flop in previous years but then the thing about Tenet is it was like Inception Warners were winding up to take a bit of a bath in it because he was going to churn out another Dunkirk or something at some point so they you know they let Chris he's like a pet director so the fact that he did that they, he's jolly well done pats on the back all round the other two that had got cinema releases now of course we already knew Underwater had cost 80 million to make taken a global gross of 38 million so we were never going to say that was the the winner of the year uh, and it, because it was obviously a turkey uh, is it the turkey of the war year stay tuned to find out uh, but then the other thing that got a release was monster hunter got released late last year limited style uh, we knew that the budget I imagine either we got it did that or did a very good guess that the budget was 60 million it made a global gross of 44.4 million no idea how people view that it was a failure certainly but a brave failure I mean who was going to watch a Monster Hunter movie anyway so there we go that was science fiction oh and what didn't hadn't been released when i updated the spreadsheet last was free guy ghostbusters afterlife which we're still waiting for but apparently it's coming up a bit later jungle cruise and a film called infinite which has disappeared into the infinite i have no information about that currently so we'll have to look into what happened indefinite really isn't it yes that's the new title uh so we can skip merrily on our way Last, this is weird. Action thrillers, they've been taking a bit of a holiday until we came to do this. We know some stuff and we don't know all of it, but we had decided, unsurprisingly, that Fast and Furious 9 was going to win. And do you know what won? Oh, I'm sitting down, Lee. You can hit me with the news now. It was Fast and Furious 9. (laughs) Now, if we're going to have a winner 
of all winners here. The budget we estimated at 250 million, it was actually 225 million, which is within the ballpark, so we're not too far off there. Yeah, and globally, it managed to scam in 570 million at the box office. That is just over twice its budget, which, I mean, I imagine someone at Universal had a bit of cry about how much money it would have made in the old world, but oh my god what a relief like what yes, a relief that must have been it's not gonna get you dinner but it would get you oxygen which i think in the current climate is what you want yeah exactly so you're making a problem you know, no but we're turning over thank god uh yeah we, i mean we know that fast and furious 10 and 11 are on the way so what more news do you need the most important franchise currently at the box office is fast and furious it's outstripped at the current time the MCU for various reasons because it's the only one that's really pulled in money at the box office how what have we told you it was upside down world uh, but then we've had the release a uh, small release nobody where well, we thought it cost 20 million to make actually cost 16 million to make which is quite a big variance given the low scale of budget but it's in the ballpark so we're again good and it made 56 million which is kind of similar on a you know sliding scale Again, everybody loves Bob Odenkirk now. Uh, I haven't seen it because obviously very few people have. It's still on premiere rental. I will catch it in the, the, the beyond. But yeah, well done, nobody. Well done. You did well-ish. Uh, a promising young woman did go out of the cinema a bit because it was out in April and some people, they risked it a bit. Unfortunately, it only pulled down $16 million on a... Well, it's right. I estimated, bearing in mind various things about the director and all of this, that they would get a budget of thirty million. In fact, that director had been a naughty, naughty boy, and the real it was no, it was seventeen million. So so he'd obviously done something to annoy someone because it was a much lower budget than he'd worked with previously. So he must have done something to upset someone. He'd taken this as sort of penance. But unfortunately, on a seventeen million—well, actually, not unfortunately at all—on a seventeen million budget, its global gross was sixteen point three, which last year it merely broke even. So you know, and then it went into Sky as a Sky original, like Sky bought it thereafter, and they wouldn't need to buy pay much for it but relatively speaking to actually just nudge it into breaking even so that's probably why they did it so uh, i haven't watched that yet but that's the one and after that again what a surprise they have been extremely shy about all the rest of the things under action thriller because again you spend a lot of money on an action thriller it's uncertain whether it'll do well at the box office so in these days you'd be crazy to release one so we had greyhound which ended up on apple tv which I mean, it's a submarine movie and it sank without trace, so what do you want? Who seriously has got Apple TV? It's people with apples, I suppose, and who cares about them? Woman in the Window uh, ended up on Netflix, I believe. Oh, no, Netflix or Disney Plus. I think it might have been Fox. Yeah, this is probably on Disney. Actually, I think Disney might have thrown Netflix a bone and give it to them. I mean, it's basically Rear Window, but I with think, Amy Adams. I think when Disney are throwing things to Netflix, it, that this is not going to make any money for us. In fact, people might cancel. Oh, the, people might cancel their subscriptions if we put it on our service. Oh give no, it to they, they just no, no, no. Disney Plus just 
put Deuce Bigelow male gigolo up yesterday. They're not caring about things that might that, that might entice people to cancel their subscription. They know people won't. You got in early before it became impossible to cancel your subscription, and now you're being cagey about taking it back up because you know once you get out, you get in, you'll never get out again. It's like the Hotel California. So yeah, Top Gun Maverick hasn't been released and is. For, being held over from sunnier climes. The King's Man, similarly, I think they want that to do fine. It is a Disney production, mm. so mm, maybe it'll just. There right. is a it's, possibility. It's a great franchise, so they don't want it to sink in. They might just put it on Disney Plus, you know. It's, it's not very impossible. Likely. They do yeah. like, they do like um, their Disney Plus channel for some reason, like it's a thing you keep them alive. No Time to Die, we already know we'll discuss that saga, so we'll wait for more news on when it is time to die. No Time to Die means no time for another James Bond film for well, the foreseeable. Well, what the great, so. the great irony was that when we recorded it, it was my pick to be the flop. And then uh, after our recording, we said, oh no, they pulled it. And then you stuck in a preamble going, oh, by the way, in the upcoming podcast, Ian picked James Bond. Don't worry, he's changed his mind now because it's been pulled, and instead he's chosen his flop to be Milan. Yes, I've got it here in the notes, so uh, we'll go in there. Right, okay, so we can probably fit comedy in here. Uh, I picked King of Staten Island as the comedy winner, purely on the basis that these random summer comedies... No one's a winner this year, mate, but carry on. Yeah, I know. And you picked Bill and Ted Face the Music. So let's see how we did. Okay, so uh, King of Staten Island didn't get a box office release. It went straight to Sky Movies. And the only thing I can say I was right about is that the budget was more or less correct, $35 million, um, as far as we know. Uh, it got a global gross from a limited release in a few foreign countries of $2.2 million, but we don't really know how that performed. We think it just got abandoned, basically. So I certainly didn't win, because you won with Bill & Ted Face the Music, which did get a limited seminar release. Now, I guessed that the budget would be about $20 million based on the previous ones and how much they'd be willing to throw after what is essentially a fan service project the actual budget was 25 million which is mm. uh maybe a pinch significantly higher but it's not excessively no, 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 out that's fine. yeah yeah so unfortunately at the global box office it only took 6.3 million mm. but then we aren't going to have another bill and ted movie and now we have our bill and ted well, trilogy yeah, so yeah it, it was it was also released on streaming wasn't it well, yeah, we so we don't know what it got on Premier Access. I waited until it turned up somewhere. Must be now, yeah. So I waited for it to be free. I've watched it. It's fine. Yeah. Have you watched it? No. I followed the reviews at the time, and everyone was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Which, which generally, I mean, things like, no one was wowed by it. They thought, well, well here's like the, this here's idea, the thing. like that idea. They didn't like this idea. They didn't like that idea. After a year locked up inside, the only thing I've learned about Bill and Ted Face the Music when I finally saw it was that they underused Samara Weaving. Because I didn't know who Samara Weaving really was before lockdown. But since uh, lockdown, I have watched Babysitter and Babysitter Killer Queen on Netflix, and they are so good. And she is a great actress. So, you know, the fact that she just basically does female daughter of one of them. I don't know if they did a switch. I don't think they did a switch. So she must be um, 
Bill's daughter. Yeah, because if they did a switch, that would be weird, wouldn't it? If if Bill's daughter was all brunette and then the other one was all blonde, Makes you think, you'd be like, it? yeah, exactly. So they, they, I think they probably wondered if they should do a switch, and they went, oh no, because then everyone will think. So they just kept it pure. Uh, okay, so there we go. So. Um, what beat because those were actually four and five of the ones that where we know uh what the the you know we they did what their fate was so what beat them downhill the uh terrible comedy that in fact everything that beat them was a comedy that came out before lockdown so that's how bad comedy is done because in fact there's only one here that hasn't been released at all Okay, so what beat them was Like a Boss, Emma and Downhill, which we kind of already knew all the answers for before summer. So one thing's for certain, last year, comedy took an absolute belting. Nobody no was having a good summer. time. No one uh, wanted no, to have a good was... chuckle whilst they were trapped in their house. Who's laughing now? There was, Nobody. There no Dunkirk spirit. Uh, so yeah so um, and then we had Greed came out in February but we already knew that didn't make any money and Misbehaviour was programmed for March but ended up on a streaming service I believe it was now TV as a sort of exclusive and therefore made no oh it did get a, a small release uh, that made 1.2 million on a 5 million budget well we don't know what the budget was because nobody's ever told us but it's probably in around 5 million so well. you know and we never seen the Bob's Burgers movie that exists yet because I imagine that definitely is going waiting for Disney Plus to go hey have a Bob's Burgers movie um, so, so yeah that fair, is when it came to comedy we don't know who was laughing but if they were laughing they weren't laughing on the way to the bank uh, so yeah I mean that is actually quite a surprise I'm just going to finish up this uh, segment by saying yeah like comedy for many years since about the Wedding Crashes era, a big summer comedy that made a bunch of money on a small budget was a nice Hollywood nest egg that someone would get, you know, they'd win that prize. And last summer demonstrated that that is over, people. Now, comedy is not guaranteed to make a bunch of money at all. So there we go. So we have two more categories left to do, which are family and horror. And then we can take a quick look at our battlers and turkeys, but just more for posterity than anything else. So uh, if I did have a family I wanted to expose them to a virus, what films can I take them to go see this year, Leah? Yeah, exactly. So we're going into the family category here. Now, uh, we both picked Minions 2 Rise of Gru as our winner, and that might still be the case, but it hasn't seen a release yet, so we don't know. So what actually... I'd still pick it. Yeah, I would still pick it, probably. Uh, Although uh, we have... um, Yeah, the thing is, they've inserted other things. Like, the little boy went to see Paw Patrol the movie the other day. Uh, But then that's 2021, so it's it's hard to say. I guess if we had the list of movies we have here, I would still pick Minions 2. So, uh, yeah, Minions 2 hasn't had a release yet, so we don't know. What did win? What won was what came out in February, which was Sonic, which it, it properly won, actually. I thought the budget would be 95 million. It was actually 85 million, so not, not too bad there on the guess. Globally, it took 319.7 million at the box office. So it actually won. I mean, it won like proper style. Like it actually took the kind of money that you might expect. I think what's, what's good about this is that Sonic, you know, it, it has a real life redemption story to it. And I think people really like that kind of mythology to the things they're into. Yeah, so Sonic was good. Did you see Sonic then? I haven't seen Sonic because I'm not, I'm not a Sega fanboy, so it's really not my place. But every, you know, you listen to the usual commentators. They were just so happy 
that people seem to enjoy it and people like the new animation. It was a fun movie. We haven't seen Jim Carrey for years, man. Where's he been? It was awesome fun. There's a new one. I'll watch it. It's all good. So what came second? Doolittle, uh, which had already been out on a, a 175 mil budget. It took 251 million, which I remember even at the time of the prediction. We were, Ooh. So yeah, so that's not... Nobody's saving that shite. Onward came out for a couple of weeks before lockdown. It was 175 million budget. It managed to sneak away with 141 million before it disappeared forever. Peter Rabbit 2 has come out since and it came out this year ah pause previously on Avengers of the Aliens Kids we said you know everyone hated this rabbit movie and it did really well and we were curmudgeonly about this but we said well people got tricked into seeing it this was your conclusion yeah. people got tricked into seeing it they're going to be wiser next time and I made a note saying well when Peter Rabbit 2 comes out we have to make a note of how well it did because this is going to give us data about whether you're right or not and people did hate that first rabbit movie well uh we said that uh, it might cost 50 million to make it based on the budget of the first one it actually cost 45 million to make so not too far off there and that, it, that's fine and globally it raked in 140 million which is hard to say what that is in the, the modern age when did that when did that fall in the great pandemic uh, it, it came out two months ago because uh, it was it was half term when my son went to see it uh, because he was so how much is, how much to make again uh, it made three times its budget Again, uh, in, in modern economics, we'd have to put that down as a success. Well, yeah, we do. Regrettably. I mean, there, is, there is one small wrinkle, of course. As I said, he went to see it in half term. You see, what they did, cleverly, was that they released it when nobody'd been able to take their children to see anything at the cinema for so long. And at the first opportunity, they dropped it. They had it. They locked it. So it was the first children's movie children had seen at the cinema in 18 months. Uh, and I'd expect something that was in that hallowed position to do a little better than 140 million. So we can't tell. Uh, you okay. can't argue, you, as I say, you can't argue with the box office and they made profit in COVID times. Uh, well, so they could, uh, yeah. unfortunately, it is a bit of a green tick. Too, too worked. Yeah, uh, I mean, that means there probably will be a three, uh, which is uh, bad news for everybody. Well, actually, my son liked it because he said, because my, my wife, who was the unfortunate short straw drawer, said it was a lot of slapstick humour. So children like that, don't they? So it was a different kind of movie to the first one. The first one was a lot of rude jokes that parents actually objected to, whereas the second one was a lot of pies in faces. So they did change their approach to get the marketing right for the second one. So that is quite interesting. Uh, Soul did get a box office release somewhere, and uh, on a 150 million budget, which I guessed 175, so they weren't quite that mental, but because um, it is a bit of a hard sell, really, uh, they made 119 million in the heart of whenever they made a release, which is nuts. And Soul is, of course, famously got dropped on Disney Plus for free outside of this box office release. Where it's probably foreign territories where they didn't put it on Disney Plus. So, one way or another, Soul was a success and a beautiful movie. It is and well deserved. It was too. Uh, that it is now in that classic pantheon of weird but really great Pixar movies such as Inside Out and Coco to a certain extent but Inside Out and Soul are definitely of a piece every Pixar movie is worth your time I've never found one that isn't you haven't but seen The Good the Dinosaur pre- then 
But we looked at the premise and we thought, what, what are they thinking here? Is this someone's passion project they're doing? Well, but yeah. We couldn't quite see how it well, would Well, the thing is, all we had was like an advert or it didn't. they didn't have, and it wasn't a proper trailer either. And so it seemed to be about a, a, a you know, middle-aged failing black musician. That seems to be what it was about. Now, of course, it wasn't really about that, although it was at the same time about that. It was about so much more. In fact, it was about the entire meaning of life. But we didn't know that at the time, so it did seem a bit eccentric. Um, I'm not sure how it... I'm, I think it might have had a really rough time if it had got into the old world cinematic release schedule because I think it was just a tough sell. Before you've seen it, you don't know how beautiful it is and how it's definitely going to make you cry. But once you've seen it, obviously you do know that. But it's, it's, the, it's getting people to watch it. That's the problem. So they just put it on on, like, Christmas Day. And that was it. Problem solved. And went, may as well watch this Pixar thing. And now it is a Pixar classic. So wonderful. Call of the Wild. I estimated 109 million. It actually cost 135 million to have Harrison Ford and a CG dog piss about in the wilderness. I mean, what were they thinking? Still managed to rake in 111 million due to its February release. That is right. This got into the cinema in the old world and it took a bath. So uh, they thoroughly deserve that. What the hell were they thinking? Giving Harrison well, to be Ford. Fair, Harrison Ford was probably high, so I'm giving him a pass. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Mulan, I guessed it would be nearly 300 million budget. Actually, they were. it was nearly a third less. So a, a, a mistake here in our best budget guesstimation, in that it was 200 million to make. Uh, so they were slightly more. God, filming in China's cheap, isn't it? So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, it's box office, and this is all they told us was 70 million. We have no idea how much they made on top of that on Premier Access, but it can't have been, you know, 130 million, because that would be ludicrous. So, uh, yeah, Mulan didn't do that well. Uh, Trolls. Now, here's an interesting world tour. Uh, I guessed it would cost 125 million, it actually cost 110 million. At the box office, it made 46.9 million. But is that the end of the story? Oh no, because the release of Trolls World Tour in the middle of the pandemic when children couldn't go to the cinema made so much money undisclosed on premier access, like premium rental, right, that the movie chains threatened to sue Universal. So although the box office is pathetic, we know that Trolls World Tour made a bunch of money. We just don't know how much. Because why would the cinema well, chains sue the studios over that otherwise? Well, I did, uh, they're suing to find out how much it did make. And they never they did. Were, they so. were Well, they were anticipating the income from that movie, which they were denied, which is, which is why they're... I mean, yeah, the studios ain't your friends. Anymore. No. You're the no. middleman they're trying, to sque- you're trying, they're trying to squeeze out. Exactly. You're doing it very successfully the entire environment is putting against people going in standing in a giant room with lots of strangers uh, and and of course as I mentioned in the previous uh, the prediction show Scoob was the first ever cinematic debut not of Scooby-Doo I don't know Scooby-Doo has movies but of the director he directed so many Scooby-Doo TV only video specials right and then this was going to be his big foray into the cinema oops yeah it did get a small box office uh, from foreign releasing but um, I guess that a Scooby-Doo sort of 3D movie would cost, 3D animated movie would cost 75 million 
They spent 90 million on this shit. I mean, really? 90 million? And uh, they managed to scrape in 26 million on the box office foreign releasing. It's, it's, it's almost like a plot of a Scooby-Doo movie because the villains are just trying to scare people away from places, aren't they? Oh. This was what the virus did for him. Just ludicrous. Uh, SpongeBob, Sponge out of uh, Sponge on the Run. I guess that would be 74 million to make. Now this is much more sensible. Paramount only spent 60 million on a SpongeBob movie. Uh, now there's a they it didn't it mostly it went to Netflix like it Netflix bought it. But in the places where it did get a limited similar it made a, a, a measly 4.8 million at the box office. But that's because Ooh. it was never intended for the inside of a cinema because Netflix bought it. So that's actually a bonus 4.8 million because Netflix clearly paid some amount to ameliorate Paramount's $60 million for that, so I don't mm. know what that is. So SpongeBob's fine is the, the basic, uh, but we only have the Sponge box SpongeBob's always going to be bankable. That's a cross-generational I don't. Yeah, I don't know what STX International are up to with My Spy, the Batista project in which he kind of does a bit of a kindergarten cop, which I guess would be about 24 million. It was a more moderate 18 million in actual fact. But that went straight to Amazon. It was an Amazon original movie, and God knows how much people would be thankful for that because it's a choppy affair where there's some nice bits but there's this huge long section in the middle where nothing happens and it's just boring so what the flip was going on there i have no idea but apparently it took 11 dollars at the box office so somewhere, 11 dollars yeah it's somewhere they put it in a theater not, people, not eleven thousand dollars we're talking 11 dollars 11 dollars $10 with another $1 on top of the note. Yeah. So they obviously wanted it to count as having had a cinema release for some reason, but obviously only in one screen and only two people went to see it. So Yeah, it's probably to get out the cold. Uh, I've got no idea how that works, but there we go. Uh, then we have Artemis Fowl, which cost $125 million and ended up on Disney+. Plus. Minions 2, which has not been... Uh, buried on Disney+, Plus as well as I remember. <clears throat> well, you think that Artemis Fowl was buried. What about the one and only Ivan? I remember us scratching our heads over this in the prediction show. Jesus Christ on a cracker. It's on Disney+. Plus. Is there any enticement to watch it, even though it's part of the subscription I can't even I can't face it I don't know what it is and I didn't want to put it on in case my son goes what the hell are we watching and my wife and me we can all be sitting there going what are we watching has it popped up in your recommended at all no they just put it on there and left it yeah exactly I think you, you're, you're more likely to, you're more likely to stumble into the secret Disney bar in Disneyland than you are to find yeah. that movie on Artemis Fowl did actually get recommended because it was the big yeah kids family movie you're in lockdown watch this and we did we watched it the weekend it went out one and only ivan kind of snuck in the back door and just i'll just put my coat here and sit in the back uh, and it's still there and i've still got no reason to watch it so why the hell they programmed it to be put in a cinema in the previous age i have no idea uh, so we're just going to brute through now. We're going to do comedy. Never mind warnings from Soundtrap. We're just going to go straight through 
comedy is the last segment and uh, oh sorry horror rather not comedy uh, what am I talking about horror we did comedy comedy's done horror I predicted that the conjuring the devil made me do it would make the most money Ian predicted escape room 2 would make the most money we were all in an escape room this year weren't yeah, we neither of us know whether we're right wrong or indifferent because neither of these movies have seen the light of day in fact the movies that haven't seen the light of day uh, well uh, or at the time I did the spreadsheet. Oh no, no, these are all the ones that I haven't seen the live day out. Antlers, the remake of Candyman, the oh the Purge. I'm not sure whether that now has been made out or whether it's about to come out. But at the time I did the spreadsheet, no sign. The Empty Man, Escape Room Two, Malignant, and The Conjuring Three. None of those had ever seen the light of day, so we don't know. What did make the money? <sighs> Flipping Quiet Place Two. Seriously? Right, and this is going to... Hey, the first one had name recognition. It did. It, it was... Our family had a double bill of the film where you're not allowed to open your eyes followed by the film where you're not allowed to make a noise. I maintain that if Conjuring 3 had dropped, it might have beaten it because it's the Conjuring 3 and those monies are making bank. But he never saw the light of day, so we can't know. So, Quiet Place 2... Right, now this is telling us a lot about the future here. I knew the budget it was 21 million. It came out uh, uh, it came out recent like sort of it was one of the first now pandemic is coming to an end and it managed to net at the global box office 280 flipping million on a 21 million budget. Once again, like seriously, let's get into cinema and just make horror movies for well, 5 million dollars a pop. Honestly, honestly, right? That is absolutely what people should do. Like, it, it doesn't matter how crap your horror movie is, if you're willing to take a few a couple of million quid and make it and it ends up somewhere, it'll make money somewhere. Someone will buy yeah. it. Let's not make movies. Just invest in them. I'm making a horror movie. Oh, right, yeah, sure, it. sure. Here, have my money. I'll get back every pound I give you. I'll get 20 back. So yeah, we have the also have the Invisible Man, which did pr- uh, some m- business in February, but also uh, premiere access for a bit uh, on a nine 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 million dollar budget, hundred and forty three million back <laughs> for that Invisible Man movie as well. I watched it; it was awful. Um, <laughs> this is gets even better. Fantasy Island, Blumhouse's Fantasy Island, which everyone hated. Everyone hated. It cost seven million for them to make that crap. Even with Blumhouse's Fantasy Island, it made forty-eight million off a seven million budget. Forty-eight million. Right. Sorry. Brahms, The Boy Two, which nobody's ever heard of, uh, cost ten million. So it's one of the more expensive horror projects. And it made 20 million, so don't invest in Brahms Boy 2. Although, to be fair, you'll only double your money. Um, and uh, this is how bad it is. The only other two things that got uh, any kind of box office are uh, Colour Out of Space, which cost 6 million, but only made 1 million in the global box office and was released in February. Definitely a box office flop. I'm not sure if that's the point. I mean, Colour Out of Space is flipping amazing. It's so good. But there we go. Uh, nobody likes art, do they? Um, what, what amazes me is that some of those horror movies, you know, they're making good money compared to everything else going on. Yeah, I Let know. Let alone the fact they're basically made for £7.50 and you 
pay the cast in scotch eggs. I mean, it's it's so fun. It's so bizarre. Um, right. Okay. So, and uh, last of all, we have Spell, which got a limited box office release, but it's also gone str- to a streaming service, which uh, cost. We don't know how much it costs to make, but we're guessing probably about five million. So they still haven't told us how much it costs to make. It made five hundred thousand dollars on a limited box office release. So otherwise, it's gone to streaming. So I doubt anyone's crying over it uh, because it's obviously made money on the quiet somewhere else. Because obviously, because look at the rest of the numbers. Yeah, horror, horror movies always claw it back later because they don't cost anything to make particularly. So yeah, yeah. So there we go. That is that is what happened to everything that was meant to come out in the summer of 2020. The last uh, p- items of interest are our battlers and turkeys. I picked *Malignant* a horror movie as a battler. No idea whether that's true. It hasn't come out yet. And you picked *Escape Room* too. Same story. Turkeys. I picked Top Gun Maverick and you picked Mulan. Top Gun Maverick has not seen the light of day. Mulan, well done, Ian. It's a turkey. Yes. It's It's almost like you I, know. I think I think even if Mulan had been a runaway success, I think I would have still claimed my one because at least mine got released. And therefore, relatively speaking, surely I'm a winner. Yeah, but so uh, there we go. So I that- take there we are yeah, what, that's, what can you say what can we say well what we can say is that that was our roundup of uh, our predictions from the uh, February of 2020 and what a world a change we've seen we did most of our commentary right up there at the beginning I think it's time for us to say goodbye to this show goodbye. we'll be yes exactly goodbye. there we go pitch invasion goodbye. wait a second wait a second um but we will be back next week uh, where we will be discussing uh, the other half of this story, which is, you know, like we've been at home for years. What have the streaming services ever done for us in order to... Well, we'll find that out on the next show. But if you're looking for us on the internet... Oh, wait a second. <clears throat> That's better. But if you're looking for us on the internet, one place you could find us will be our Facebook page, which you can find on Facebook forward slash Revenge of the 80s Kids. And that's 80s as in numbers, 80s. Uh, please go there and like our page. It's our community hub. We put up links to our podcast there, as well as links we find interesting. But podcasts are what it's all about. And for those who want to point your web browser towards the80skids.blogspot.com and that's 80s as in letters. So E-I-G-H-T-I-E-S. Please go there and listen to the complete archive of all our podcasts or download to your PC for dark reasons of your own. Uh, I am also available on twitch.tv forward slash enomconey that's E-N-O-M-K-O-N-E-Y and we're going to be on well you should be you may be hearing this on our new radio station Geek Towers which is ours at the moment but is hoping to have other content on it uh, in due course but for now bye bye it's the end of the world as we know it